Uh, this is week four in our Always God series. And the series has been reminding us that God is still the great I am. He is still the same God yesterday, today, and forever. That what he's done in the past, here's an amen moment, all right? What he's done in the past, he's still doing today. And God's people said, he is still God, always God. And so let's not, let's not put this dichotomy of what he used to do compared to what he does now. No, God is God. He's still in control, still holds the world in the palm of his hand, still is powerful, still is gracious, still is lovely, still, still for us, still wanting to stay, still wanting to be with his people. So this series has been reminding us of that. This week is God is always pursuing. He's always pursuing. We have, uh, we're going to, um, I will endeavor to be a little bit quicker. <laughs> I will, I promise. And, uh, and um, we'll wrap up this series next week. Next week, we're going to talk about always restoring, always restoring. But this, uh, this uh, today, this week is always pursuing. Jesus came to earth with a clear mission and a clear purpose. Um, put up for me Luke 19.10. It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. This is Jesus stating his intention. This is why I came. This is why I'm here. I am here to seek and save those who are lost. He's come to pursue us. And in Luke 15, the whole chapter it tells three stories that we're going to look at briefly. Each one is, is a whole sermon in themselves, but we're just going to uh, go through it quickly. The three stories are familiar to many of you, and you can read all the details in Luke 15, but it's about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. Three stories that Jesus tells about lost things. Now, we all know what it's like to lose something valuable, right? Have you ever lost something that you, 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 know, you really wanted back? Like, you know, uh, ever lost your dog? Seriously, door gets out, your dog gets out. Dog owners freak out when their dog is lost, trust me. You ever lost your wallet? And, and like the anxiety that enters into your life if you can't find your wallet, it's real, it's real. You know, how about your phone? Oh, come on. There's somebody, there's at least one person in every home that loses their phone on a regular basis. It could be your spouse, it could be you, it could be one of your children, but there, as soon as I say that, you're going, yep, I know, I know who loses their phone a lot. There's someone, someone loses their phone. You ever lost your child? Yeah, you laugh, but it's real. I, you know what, I, I, it's such a new world now, but when I was a kid, back 100 years ago, my mother would take me to a store and she would, let's say it wasn't a Walmart, I didn't even know what it was, but you'd go into a store like that and she'd be grocery shopping and I'd be like, I don't know, four, I'm not in school yet. And, and I'm like, I'm like I just the kind of kid I was, it was, my mom would go this way for the food, but the food was boring to me, I wanted to go to the toy section. So when we'd go in the door, I would just say to my mom, just come and get me when you're ready to leave. Serious. And so I would, I would totter off down to the toy section and, 
and look at toys for whatever, I, I mean, an hour. And then she'd come back, and nobody thought anything that, was, that wasn't weird. Like, is that right? Do you remember stuff like that? Well, now we put kids on leashes. You ever seen it? Now it's like, this little guy is not getting away from me, walking around Canada's Wonderland with a little three-year-old on a leash. You know, like it's, it's just a different world now. But we've all lost stuff uh, that is important. And when it happens, of course, you take the time to find it because it's, it's important to you and you want it back. So when Jesus says, I've come to seek and to save the lost. In Luke 15, we're going to read it in just a second. He is the one telling the stories. He's the one that says the word lost. He, he talks about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And it struck me, what does Jesus mean when he says the word lost? You know, uh, uh, church people, we tend to have a, 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 you know, a, a pretty clear understanding of the word, but People that maybe haven't been to church or don't know the Bible, sometimes the word lost is a bit of a weird word. Uh, in fact, it can be offensive. I've had people be offended uh, by, by, by the word lost, that somehow uh, you know, it, it doesn't apply to them. But it's Jesus who uses the word lost. And what does he mean by it? Like He uses the word to describe a person who is not in relationship with him. It's a person who has not believed, who has not received him as savior. It's not so much a physical condition, it's really a spiritual condition. You're lost spiritually, that's what he's talking about. Why are we lost spiritually? All of us are. Why? Because we're sinners, we make mistakes, we do wrong things, we know that we haven't lived a perfect life, and we need a savior, we need our sins forgiven, we need somebody to come and pay the price for us. And so this is why he came, to seek and save the lost. And when we're not in relationship with him, when we don't have our sins forgiven, when we haven't received him and believed him, then he considers us spiritually lost. If we don't like the word, then you can argue with God about it, but it's God who uses the word. You're, he says, without this relationship, without this connection, you are spiritually lost. Where You know what lost is? It also has this, this meaning of out of place. Um, you're out of place. You're, you're not where you should be. You're... You're, you're not where you really belong. If something's lost, it's not in its proper position. And this is what he's talking about. These are the people, us, these are the people Jesus came for. He came for all of us. And still, one of the greatest verses in all of the Bible is still John 3.16, because it clearly, clearly says what it's all about. That God loved the world. Who's the world? Us. Us, people. He loves the world so much that he sent his son and that anyone, 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 anyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. It's profound when you think about it that God would always be pursuing us to the point that he sends his son that while we were still sinners, Jesus came to earth. Why? Because he loved us first. 
That's profound to me, that he would love us. Look at, we got to get into this now. Luke 15, just put up for me verse 1 and 2. So tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And this made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people and even eating with them. It was tragic. See, tax collectors and notorious sinners, isn't, just, just think about it, just with me for a second. Tax collectors, notorious sinners, I mean the worst of the worst in the eyes of the religious people, they wanted to spend time with Jesus. They want, it said they often came to hear him teach. They often came to eat with him. They often spent time with him. It's, it's, uh, it's, it, it's mind-boggling for the religious people. The Pharisees hated these people. They avoided them. They considered them dirty and unclean. They wouldn't come within 10 feet of these people. They avoided them at all costs but not Jesus. Jesus teaches and welcomes them into his presence. He actually has fellowship with them. Eating was, eating is, was a more intimate experience, and so that's why they say even eating, because when you spend a meal, when you spend time around a meal with people, it, you, you, it's a more intimate personal time, and Jesus was willing to take that time with the tax collectors and the sinners. So why did they want to be with Jesus? You've got to ask yourself that. Why do they want to be there? Was it because he excused their sin? He told them that they were okay the way that they were? You know, um, that he, he didn't challenge them to change? Absolutely not. You can be 100% sure that Jesus spoke directly to them and he spoke truthfully, firmly, and lovingly to them and told them what their condition was and what they needed to do to make it right. But they still, even with him shooting a straight arrow and telling them the truth, they still wanted to be with him. I, I, I find that really interesting. So why? Why? He's not easy on them. You know, I mean, you can only come to one conclusion. It's because he cared. And they wanted to be with him. They felt accepted somehow, welcomed. They felt cared for, loved, that he was concerned about them as people. He wasn't just labeling them a notorious sinner and writing them off, but he would call them by name and talk to them about their personal lives and their personal situation. That they felt this connection to Jesus. The Pharisees, of course, knew the scriptures. They knew the scriptures better than anyone. I mean, I mean, they were masters at the at the at the Torah and the scriptures. But they they failed to understand the heart of God. He wanted to set the prisoner free. I have come to seek and to save the lost. He came to give life and hope. He came to reach out to the tax collectors and the notorious sinners. And the, the religious people had no idea that God wanted to pursue the lost. They, they knew they were lost and were quite happy to leave them lost. Do you understand? And Jesus wasn't 
just wasn't willing to give anybody away like that. He wasn't willing to sacrifice anybody to the will and the plan you know, of, of the enemy. For anyone to be lost, he wanted everyone to be found. And the Pharisees did not have a clue that that's what God wanted to do. Didn't know that God was into pursuing sinners. And so the, the three parables that follow, uh, they all have a pattern and you'll, you'll see it very clear when you read them. But something is lost, then it's found, and then it ends with a celebration. There's always this three-step procedure in all three of the parables. Lost, found, celebrate. Lost, found, celebrate. Every time. So Jesus speaks these parables, by the way, as an answer to the accusations and the disgust of the Pharisees. He, he knows what they're thinking. They're disgusted with him spending time with these people. And Jesus wants to teach them something and show them something. And so he speaks these parables to them to, as an answer to their accusations. And these stories, he's, he's, tells them, he's trying to tell them these stories to communicate to them how God really feels about lost people and how they should really feel about lost people and how they need to move forward in, in uh, their thinking. So look at uh, Luke 15, verse 3. So it says, So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that's lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and his neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. This is the pattern. Lost, found, celebrate. The lost sheep is clearly us. Look at a couple of scriptures quick. Isaiah 53, 6, it says, All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. And 1 Peter 2 says, Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. So we're the sheep who have a tendency to wander away. And Jesus is the good shepherd who comes after us, who leaves the 99 to find the one who is lost. He pursues the lost one. He goes after the lost one. He rescues the one that's lost. And when we are found, when the lost one is found, there is a celebration because something valuable has been found and it's been brought back home. It's been brought back where it belongs. And so there is reason to rejoice and a cause for celebration. See, by leaving the 99, the, the shepherd going after the one, by the way, just to make this clear, because sometimes people get this confused, when he leaves the 99 and he goes after the one, he's not saying that the 99 are unimportant to him. What he's saying is this, the 99 are safe. I have to go after the one who's in danger. Do you understand? And so it's clear, that very, very clear that he's into pursuing the lost things to bring them back 
home. The shepherd going after the one is proof that every one of us is important to him. It wouldn't matter of those hundred sheep which one was lost. The good shepherd was going to go after number one, number two, number 78, number 33, number whatever sheep it was, he was going after the one because he pursues lost things. So it's proof that every one of them was important. Remember last week, the God who sees is the God who cares. And so the God who sees the lost sheep is the God who cares enough to go after him. He pursues um, the next one, Luke 15, verse 8, it says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp, sweep the entire house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, again, here's your rejoice, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. See, the coin was of great value to the woman. It was important to her. And she put everything else on hold. Her entire day and her, and her to-do list, you know, of all the chores she had, the food she needed to make, the cleaning that needed to be done, everything got put on hold until she finds the coin. She goes looking for it because it's valuable to her. She wants it back. And when she finds it, she celebrates, lost, found, celebrate. You see that pattern again. Jesus is again making the point in a different way to the Pharisees. Hey, God really does search and pursue lost sinners. He'll, you know, he'll leave the 99 to go after the one. He'll put other things on hold if he has to, not that he's got, you know, God doesn't put anything on hold, but you know what I mean? He focuses on the lost one. He goes after the lost thing. That coin was out of place. It, it wasn't where it belonged. And so uh, he, he, he goes after it and takes the time to find it. So the lost son is the last one, or some of us would know this as the prodigal son. Um, and we don't, won't take the time to read, read the whole story, but you know um, it's about a son uh, who wants his share of his father's estate early. He wants his dad to give him his share before his dad is passed away. And the father is heartbroken, but, but uh, in the end gives his son his share of his inheritance. And the son takes the money, leaves home, and it says that he wastes it. He just absolutely wastes it on wild living, the Bible says. Until he got to the point where he was so low and so broken and so humbled. The, the word actually says he came to his senses. I love that phrase. When the son came to his senses, he decided that he should go home. And here's, the, here's uh, near the end of the story, um, verse 20. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. He embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. His son said to him, 
Yeah, there you go. But his father said to the servants, I was going to say, didn't I just read that verse? But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. The father was always looking for his boy. Always. Always looking for his boy. While his son was a long way off, it says, his father saw him coming. He only saw him coming because he was watching for him. When he sees him, he loses all of his dignity. And he runs to him. And a man back in those days of of respect with money would never run. But he runs to his son. And he hugs him. And he kisses him. And he's so happy that he's come home. You know, it was the memory of his father's goodness and kindness that brought him home. When the boy came to his senses, he thought about his father. He thought about how good his father was, how kind his father was, how, how fair and respectable his father was. If his father had been uncaring or unkind, even in that low moment, he wouldn't have turned his face to home. He would have tried to find solace some other, some other place or in some other way. But in his mind, the goodness of the father came back to him, and he said, I'm going to go home. And it struck me when I was reading this, again, we know we've, re- we've all read this, many of us have read this hundreds of times, but it struck me again how important it is for us to teach our little ones about Jesus, to instruct them in the faith, to let them have a clear picture of who God is, a clear understanding of who the Father is. And when the day comes, if they turn and do foolish things and run away, then they will when, you know, come to their senses and remember, yeah, but there, there is a God who loves me. I remember in Sunday school class. I remember my mom and dad teaching me. I know there's a God who will forgive me and help me and heal me and welcome me back. This is why even when people run, this, this is the seed of the gospel. It never is sown in vain, amen? That it, it takes root in people. And even when they run, I believe that the goodness of the Father, the hound of heaven, the pursuing God, reaches out and says, come on back. It's, it's the Holy Spirit drawing people back, renewing their minds and having them remember how wonderful God really is. It's this beautiful picture of a loving heavenly father who cares for his children. That is, I is watching for his son. And even while he's a long way off, before he has time to change his mind, the father goes sprinting out to him, puts a robe on him, puts sandals on his feet. He throws his arms around him. He kisses his son. And he says, kill the calf for it's time to celebrate. My son who was lost 
has now been found. My son who was away has now come home. My son who is out of place is now back where he belongs. It's this beautiful story. We call it the lost son or the prodigal son. The story really could be called the loving father. This is, is really so, such a powerful, powerful picture of God's care, his pursuit, his never giving up on us. The heavenly father cares for his children and will pursue them every day until they find their way back home. Listen, if you're here today, there's a son, a daughter, a grandchild, someone in our life that has grown up that knows the way, but has wandered off and found themselves in a different place. Come on, be encouraged today. The seeds that have been sown, the goodness of the Father, the, the leading of the Spirit will always pursue them. The hound of heaven never gives up on anyone, and they will come home. They will come home. So pray in faith, believing, say, Lord, just renew their minds. Bring them home. Remind them of how great God is. Remind them of your love and your goodness. Don't let the enemy steal that from them. And they will come back home. A heavenly father who never gives up on his children. Look at Romans 2 verse 4 says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? His kindness brings us back into the place where we need to be. So, God is still running after people. He's still pursuing lost people. Don't miss the point, too. And we're wrapping up, and uh, you're going to say, no way, but it's true. Um, <laughs> all things are possible. Yeah, just let me get carried on. I'll go on for 20 more minutes. I won't let it happen. It's okay. Unless the Lord says so. Always but God, okay? In every service we do, in every meeting we have, it's always but God. If the Holy Spirit says stay, we stay. If he says go, we go. We, we just, we want to be led by the Spirit. So, um, but God is still running after people. He's still pursuing us, every lost person. But I wanted to say, don't miss the point that he pursues the one. Understand, it's really special when, and, and don't miss it. He pursues the one. There was one sheep that was lost. There was one coin that was lost. There was one son that was lost. He goes after the one. It's, a, it's so cool. See, Jesus is not into sacrificing the one and being content to keep the rest. He's never that way. It's not like, well, I got nine out of the ten coins. It's fine, you know. I got 99 out of the 100 sheep, it's fine. I got another son, I can make another one. Who needs that one? You know, no. He's, that's, <laughs> that's, never, that's never his perspective. But you get my point? He goes after the one, the one. And he's never into sacrificing the one and being content to keep the rest. He pursues the one. 
And it just, you know, it's really encouraging to know when that one was me, he came after me. When that one was you, he pursued you. Maybe you're here or you're watching today. If, that, if you're the one today, if, if that one is you, you're the lost sheep or the lost coin or the lost son or daughter, you want, I want you to know today he's pursuing you because he comes after the one, the one. He is not content to give up even one. What is God's? His desire is that what? That none should perish, but that all would come to eternal life. He has come to seek and to save the lost. He's come to find the one. He is not content to give you up, no matter who you are. Jesus is on this ultimate search and rescue mission. And he always, 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 always pursues and never, never, never gives up. So he came to seek and to save the lost. And if that's you today, welcome him into your life. Welcome his love, his mercy, his forgiveness. Accept the gift that he offers. He doesn't want one to miss out. You know, John Newton, I was thinking about that old hymn, you know. Let's, let's sing that verse together. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. John Newton was the last one. I once was lost. But now, thank God, I'm found. This is who he is. This is what he does. He pursues lost people. And when you were lost, he pursued you. And if you're feeling spiritually lost today, he's pursuing you now. Believers, be reminded also the other side of the coin is so if you feel that you're in need today, that you're not in a place spiritually where you need to be, know that the always pursuing God is, is on your trail. But believers, if those of us that know the Lord, be reminded today that notorious sinners enjoyed spending time with Jesus. Let that grip you. He enjoyed spending time with them, and they enjoyed spending time with him. We are believers, children, men and women of God. We are now his representatives here on earth. We are his hands, his feet, his mouth. We are his example. We are, we are to be Jesus in the flesh to the world who needs to see him. Empty religion never 
never, never gets people to respond. The notorious sinners were not attracted to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were not attracted to the sinners. Empty religion is never what people respond to. The notorious sinners were responding to the love, to the authenticity, to the grace, and to the truth that Jesus was presenting to them. And it's important that truth is in that. It's not just all sappy, lovey, lovey. No, it's the truth. God loves you. You need to get your life right and changes need to be made. Like truth still needs to be told. But it starts with this love, with this grace, with this respect, tolerance, authenticity, a, a true care in our hearts for people who still need the Lord. Empty religion is never going to cut it. It has to start and end with Jesus. He's the Alpha and he's the Omega. And so God is always pursuing, and I'm really finishing now. God is always pursuing, and we have a role, believers, in spreading this good news. We have a role in spreading this knowledge of God pursuing people. There is hope beyond this life, and there is a God who came to save us. And it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter how far we've run off course or how lost we feel we are. There is a good shepherd who goes searching for the lost sheep. And he doesn't quit until he finds it. He is always, still, always has been and always will be the always pursuing God. Thank you, Jesus, today. Let's bow together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this simple, but yet really profound truth. That you are for us, not against us. God loved the world so much that he sent his son not to condemn the world, but to save the world. That you came to seek and to save the lost because it was your desire to put value on us. You love us. You value us. We are your possession, your treasure. We are your masterpiece. And you don't want to let one, one go. You're not happy with 99. You want 100. You will leave the 99 to go find the one. Lord, help us. Help us as believers in Jesus to be men and women who just live with this, this, this truth that is just cognizant in our brain that you are a God who is always pursuing people and we have a role to play in helping people see and understand that there is a God. It says, if you seek me, you will find me. Why? Because he's always looking for you. The Father's eye is on you even while you're a long way off. And if you just turn your face towards home, you'll find a God who runs to you, who wraps his arms around you, and who brings you home to a great celebration because 
all of heaven rejoices when the one lost sheep comes home. Thank you today, Lord. Thank you that it's just truth. It's simple truth, but yet powerful truth. Help us to be people who are really pursuing others, that we are your representatives here, that we're not people of empty religion who snub our nose at those who we think are beneath us or too far gone for us to reach. That is not ever the attitude that Jesus had. You gave us, Lord, the Holy Spirit so that we can be led by the Spirit, we can be filled with the Spirit, we can overcome our fear, we can, we can get guidance, courage, power, we can do the calling of God that's on our lives. You didn't ask us to do something without giving us the ability to do it. And so thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are ours, that you are with us. And so help us to walk away from any empty religious feelings or thoughts or, or anything that holds us back and help us to be just that example of Jesus, that no matter who people are, no matter what they've done, there is a God who we would love to talk to you about. There is a beautiful Savior who, no matter what you've done, has forgiveness and joy and hope for you. That there is hope in this world and in the world to come. And his name is Jesus. So, Father, help us to do our part. And thank you today. If you're watching today and you don't know the Lord, please consider that you are spiritually lost. That's how Jesus describes you. It's not you're, you're a horrible person. It's not that you're not valuable. It's not that you're, you know, you, you're, you're, you're less intellectual or there's anything less about you at all. It just means that you're not where you need to be spiritually, that there's a relationship that you can have and he wants you to have it. He wants your eyes to be open and he wants you to move from being lost into being found. Get back to where you belong. So I encourage you today, if that's you, open up your mind and your heart to Jesus. Just welcome him in and receive him afresh in your life today. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Father, just quick, just uh, as we close today, there are those in our families, our children, our grandchildren, Lord, our loved ones, aunts, uncles, whoever it may be, people who maybe know the beauty of the Father, but yet have chosen to walk a different way. Lord, we just cry out to you today in Jesus' name. All of us, Lord, we pray together in Jesus' name for the lost sheep in our families. We pray, Lord, that you would draw them back home. Pray, Lord, that they would get a sense of the always pursuing God. Pray that the work of the enemy would be defeated and be destroyed in their lives. That any darkness, any blindness, any hardness, any walls, any barrier that has been put up that that is, that is hindering or blocking them 
from remembering your goodness would be taken down in Jesus' name. And that they would know, Lord, and experience like the lost son did. He came to his senses and said, my father is good. It's time I went back home. May that happen in our families, to our children, to our sons, our daughters, to our grandchildren. Lord, may this year be a year of turning and returning. May this year be a year of awakening and renewal and revival. May this year, Lord, be the year that you break through. And so we pray for that in Jesus' name. We commit these people to you and thank you that you're the hound of heaven who never gives up. Thank you, the always pursuing God. So we do love you, Lord, and we do bless you today. Strengthen us, Lord, with this truth. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to Stouffville Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stouffville Pentecostal Church, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. Have a great week.